0: This is all things Ansys, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 29, an interview with experienced Ansys IcePack users, thoughts on the Ansys sales kickoff meeting, and all that's followed by news and events in the world of Ansys and PADT. Hi there, my name is Eric Miller, I'm one of the owners at PADT, and welcome to the podcast. I'm actually recording this, uh, the front and the back of this podcast from my hotel room at the Disney Coronado Springs Resort and Convention Center here at Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I'm here for the 2019 ANSYS sales kickoff event, which is where we get all of the uh, international sales team for ANSYS, and we'll talk more about this uh, together to talk about 2018, 2019, and what's new in the ANSYS ecosystem. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about that after our main interview, because there's some impressions and thoughts I want to share with everyone. Um, I also apologize. I mean, our sound is never great on this podcast, but it's worse than normal, because I'm using my, uh, my Bluetooth headphones that I use for music uh, to record this in the hotel room, and I'm still getting over a cold. So... We'll, we'll try and, and make it up in equalization, but it's not going to be the best sounding podcast ever. Um, speaking of the podcast, we've had 8,609 total downloads, over 28 episodes, so we're still hovering there, uh, 307 uh, downloads per episode. That's been pretty stuck there for a while now. It's holding steady. Um, I have learned being here at this event that many of the ANSYS partners, uh, people in Sales and development, they uh, tech support, they listen to the podcast. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of people out there that maybe we're not capturing in the statistics, uh, but uh, it seems to be very well liked. And your those of you who have been um, guests on the podcast, your your comments and, and input have been really appreciated by the people in the Ansys world. So please help us by getting the word out there. Tell your friends, coworkers, etc. Uh, and I thank all of our loyal listeners. And if you have any ideas on how to make it better, as always, email us at podcast at p-a-d-t-i-n-c dot com. So on to said piece of entertainment slash information, the podcast. Um, For today's interview, we were lucky enough uh, last Friday to be joined in our offices in Phoenix and Tempe uh, by three engineers from a company you may have heard of, Intel. They, They don't like us to, you know, using their name too much out there, that's why um, it's not going to be in the text on the website, but uh, yeah, there are three guys from Intel. Uh, they've been using ANSYS IcePack in the Internet of Things group, helping understand the thermal behavior of those uh, electronics devices. Um, they will tell you more about what they do and who they are. I'll let them introduce themselves in this interview and what they do. and They'll talk about what a what a tool what what they like, what they don't like uh, what a great tool ice pack is and how it helps them be successful in their jobs it uh, it was a really good interview, so please do enjoy.
1: So uh, welcome to our interview here. We are fortunate enough to have three users from our local campus here at Intel Corporation to talk to us about how they use and like and dislike and all the good things about ANSYS. Um, and we'll start out with introductions. So why don't you go ahead and get started and tell us who you are and what you do for uh, Intel. Okay. Uh, my name is Joe Hansen. I am a Thermal Mechanical Systems Engineer for the Internet Things Group at Intel. Great. And I've been there just about four years now. Great. And
2: my name is uh, Steve Langenke. I work on the same team as Joe on the uh, Thermal Mechanical Systems Engineering team uh, for the Internet of Things group, mm-hmm. um, and been at Intel six years now. Six years, great. Uh, Mike
3: Schroeder, I'm also a thermal analyst on the same group, uh, been in that group for the past four years now, and before that I worked in the Assembly Test Technology Division, okay. working in their, uh, their thermal fluids lab. Helping support packaging and uh, manufacturing processes.
1: So that's actually a good place to start. So when when most people think of Intel, we think of that chip that's inside pretty much every computer we use every day. Um, what what actually does the thermal uh, mechanical group do? And we'll, and I mean, what did, what do you guys do at the Chandler campus here for people that don't know?
3: Um, specifically for our group, or generally for mechanical? Why don't we start
1: members? general? Like what what what? what they do at Intel here in Chandler, and then let's talk about your group.
3: Sure. Uh, So specifically the Chandler campus, they have a lot of different um, business groups. Uh, The large one is IoTG, but there's uh, pockets of other different business groups like Mm -hmm. the data center group. Um, And then they also have the assembly and test technology division, Mm -hmm. which is their packaging arm that does all the packaging for, for Intel products. Okay. Um and then that includes uh, all the package design and then also uh they have their what they call their virtual factories there where they'll they'll actually develop all the processes for making okay. them, um so those are the two general kind of uh jobs you can kind of get in the manufacturing uh technology and development side of it or you might be able to be able to fall into one of the business division groups.
1: Okay, cool. Um,
3: is say a thermal analyst and like they have some mechanical jobs as well mm-hmm. that are more mechanical oriented, but those are mostly in the data center group where they actually produce product like sockets, most okay. related collateral seats, things, things like that.
1: So, so most of probably- your coworkers are electrical engineers? Yes. Yeah. And software. So, software. Yeah, and software. <laughs> <laughs> so you're holding strong for us mechanical yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. few and far between. And for those that don't know the industry, when we talk about packaging electronics, we're not talking about the box that it goes in. We're talking about putting the chip on the printed circuit board mm-hmm. and all that's connected and all that. So sometimes people don't. Right. don't know that uh, when we say packaging they're not they're not designing cardboard boxes mm-hmm. it's really tough on, uh,
3: LinkedIn will, will send me jobs for <laughs> actual <laughs> packaging yeah, exactly <laughs>
1: yeah. totally different hey, hey. so what about your group what's what's the focus of the group uh, the focus of the group
3: is supporting specifically well, we have a couple of different hats we wear so one of them is is um an application engineer that's Mm -hmm. an external customer facing where we help customers understand how to use um, the specifications that we publish and the collaterals for doing thermal design and uh, and other other specifications that we have. And then internally, we help, you know, start to finish some of the products that they have and following thermal concerns. And then um, some of the more fun work we do is when we have reference designs. so. Um, in order for customers to leverage the products that we're selling, they'll actually build systems um, you know, from the ground up that they can
1: use in order to jumpstart them and, and help get them out into the market. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Um, so IoT, the Internet of Things, is is big, right? I mean, everybody's connecting everything to the Internet and sensors and things like that. So do you guys make the processing chips, the sensors? What What is your team produce?
2: Um, yeah, so uh, let me let me try to answer that. So yeah. what I like to call the Internet of Things, first of all, is everything that's not a laptop or a data center is okay. pretty much sold under the <laughs> Internet <laughs> good of Things, things umbrella. Okay, that's going to be my <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, That's, that's okay. as broad as, as you can get it. And Our job role is, is to take the processors, the chips mm-hmm. that Intel makes and then sell them into those other markets, Okay. Uh, help design in with customer, uh, a lot of customer work, and then from the product development side, as Mike also said, mm-hmm. um, help uh, define those features and just define cool. those um, uh, constraints that uh, we need to
1: meet for our different markets. So autonomous cars would be under you guys? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so very broad. Uh, yeah,
3: Yep. Cool.
1: That's, that's had um,
3: a strange history with, current acquisitions, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's one of those areas that kind of we covered, but it's it's convoluted. It's a it's a literally a moving target, I bet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think to be more specific is uh, they do have automotive products that they're targeting, um, not just autonomous driving, but okay. for other features within the car, Steve. Yeah,
2: like the transportation as a service, uh, um, the in-vehicle, what Intel calls the in-vehicle experience, so everything right. on the dashboard, Okay. So your uh, your instrument clusters, rear seat entertainment, stuff like that.
1: So that's, yeah, that's Intel all. sells into those markets. Yeah, it's as well. all electronics and it all has to have a processor yep, yep. And, and memory as well. Do you guys get involved with memory or is it mostly processors?
3: Not within our group, but okay.
1: another group, another group but it. that's dedicated um, specifically okay. to memory. Okay. And hopefully that doesn't get so hot that you guys get. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <That's> the biggest <laughs> issue It with shouldn't memory. be producing heat, right? It <laughs> <laughs> should not be
1: producing heat. Good, good, good. So let's talk about ANSYS. Um, which products do you guys use mostly? IcePack, IcePack, yes. Ice IcePack Ice users. Use. I also like to use SpaceClaim a lot now when use I'm going computer. between the different softwares. Okay, very cool. So, uh, why don't we start? Uh, whoever wants to start with, you know, should tell us how you, you know, why why you use IcePack and how you use it.
3: Sure. Um, so, in our group, we we do mostly focus on the system level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, some of the jobs that we do is for new chips that we have coming out is doing feasibility studies for okay. targeted markets for certain form factors, whether it's like a server box or um, like an overhead antenna unit or something for a okay. comms application. It's pretty diverse, uh, automotive applications. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, so, we'll, we'll build system models and then uh, use our package models within those to check uh, thermal compliance for all the components, make sure nothing's overheating, and then give suggestions about design or if it's for uh, feasibility, for example, mm-hmm. telling them if they can't run that
2: much power, how much power they can run. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Define that power envelope that okay. for the target markets that, that we might try to sell a processor into. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it can be kind of a tough job in the sense
3: that mm-hmm. we don't make end products, but we have to know about the products that we're targeting, in order to make assumptions for for those types of simulations,
1: you you kind of got to guess how people are going to use the product and, mm-hmm. and uh, proactively yeah. figure it out. Yeah, that's pretty pretty good. So you're basically doing virtual testing is a good way to think about it, right? So what's what's the biggest challenge you face from a simulation standpoint? I mean, where do you kind of pull your hair out and go, this this is the part I don't like. <laughs> um, sometimes it's getting those details. To Defining the system. System. Yeah. Yeah, and how I, they're
3: gonna use it. I would suppose that you know um the software part aside, mm-hmm. I mean the challenge more from just a general process of doing it is, is definitely getting the correct information. Okay. Uh at least the communication with Intel, there's a lot a lot of gray area about mm-hmm. what the system will actually look like. Mm-hmm. we we're, we're guessing since right. we make chips, we don't make systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that's for autonomous driving or for for other market segments, uh, that can be used, certainly be a challenge. It's um, a good point. Yeah, so getting complete information about the assumptions we're making is a challenge. Um, getting uh, there's different levels of detail that we get, so usually we have to bake in a lot of assumptions. We don't have the luxury of having perfectly designed circuit boards. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, you have to work with a lot of ambiguity. When it comes to, to building those,
1: I would imagine that's going to be I know here at p a t we do that a lot too, right because we get customers all over the place and and I know that it's a it's a go no go gate for a lot of engineers because some engineers they have to have everything perfectly defined or they literally you know have a nervous breakdown, so yeah. I imagine mm-hmm. your group. You guys got to be pretty accepting of uh, some gray areas there. Yeah. We are. Yeah. yeah. We, we roll with the punches. <laughs> yeah, most That's definitely. Good. good, good, good to know. So on the software side, I mean, um, what's your biggest challenge that you face? I mean, we are we're using the tool set?
3: Um, it depends on what in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd say when it comes to building large system models, there's a lot of nuances with, you know, with different softwares that we use mm-hmm. that, that we need to pay attention to. Um, getting good component models, and sometimes we get two resistor values for mm-hmm. thermals, and ones based on JETX standards are great for package-to-package comparisons, but mm-hmm. um, they're not the most accurate for every application.
1: Gotcha.
3: Um, I suppose turning more to ANSYS, if, mm-hmm. if that's where we're going yeah. to... Uh, I actually wrote an article that I had posted on my LinkedIn account comparing oh, cool. the three different big softwares. So, okay. Flowtherm, IcePack, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Six Sigma ET. Okay. Uh, and I think there's kind of pros and cons to, to each Always. of them. Always. Always. Um, I would say personally, I find myself using Ansys more. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, a few things that I can get into that, that irritate me. But mm-hmm. the good things that I like about it is it seems to be a very complete. Uh, you know, well-rounded software that can pretty much handle every single thing that, that I typically need mm-hmm. to handle. Good. Um, and I like that it has enough knobs, you know, where mm-hmm. if I need to, to do some meshing or if I, there's certain things that I need to do for, for example, we've been doing liquid cooling in our group. Okay. There's nice features in Ansys Icepack for that, that I haven't really seen in the other mm-hmm. software. Um, so that if you need to get it under the hood, you can go and you can make some tweaks Um, Whereas some, I would say Flowtherm is more lighter, like on the meshing side. It's it's harder to get it to do what you want to do
2: in some applications for that and get it running efficiently. Controlling the uh, bleed out and the the aspect ratio seems to be harder in Flowtherm compared to... uh,
1: That's always been the differentiator is uh, kind of a push-platten and it works for most cases versus okay. It works for most cases, but if it doesn't work, go deeper. And that's yeah, that's the thing. It requires a lot about. more
2: work and a lot yeah. more time. Where it's mm-hmm. in our areas uh, we don't have that kind of luxury. Yeah. We got to yeah. move fast. We're working on many different things. So,
1: How, how's geometry? I mean, I guess you guys are amb- ambiguous a lot. Do you guys create the geometry? Just kind of a thumb up against a picture, or do you import uh, CAD? Or you can
2: say ninety-five percent of the time we're generating in back. Okay. Uh, we don't import okay. yeah
1: yeah and using space claim more it sounds like for that or yeah
2: if i'm doing some sometimes some of the cad import
3: i'll
1: use the space claim to simplify mm-hmm. it and okay bring it in
3: yeah. cool yeah my my own personal preference is i, I don't like messing with the ecad and cad mm-hmm. um i mean there's the fact that most of the stuff that we would get is in the design phase so it, oh good point it yeah. needs to be cleaned up you know, sometimes they have components laying off on the board because they guys. <laughs> Haven't put CAD it there guys. yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and it's just, it brings in a lot of other junk mm-hmm. that um, adds to the amount of mesh and it, they don't run as efficiently and you have to check and double check, especially if it's a complete CAD model from right. like an entire system and not necessarily just board CAD. Um, sometimes it brings in a lot of other junk features that and I'd rather not have, so sometimes uh, my own perspective is working from a simple model mm-hmm. and then adding complexity when you need to is a better
2: approach mm-hmm. to, to run them faster and, and uh, not run into problems right then, off the bat. Yeah, and then most of the time I, you could take a look from, you know, what what uh, your overall system power is and how maybe some of those smaller features are going to impact, and a lot of ours generally mm-hmm. are higher power, right. uh, like total system power models, So. Some of the small little passes, or some of the, you know, ECAD, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in-plane stuff, it's, it's, it's not negligent make a yeah. compared to some of the, you know, high-power ICs in there.
1: So I want all the college students and new users to listen to this <laughs> because one of the things we often see is, you know, you've got the ECAD and the CAD, the MCAD, and you just want to import it, mesh it, and run it, and... You spend more time trying to get that to work often than just starting. So I, I of course, agree with you. Therefore, I think you're very intelligent people. But uh, that's certainly been our experience as well. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes you can import it, and it's just it's wonderful it when it works. Um, and and it, you need all that detail, and you need those. It depends on the application. Maybe an existing product that's in the mm-hmm. field that you need to maybe fix a fan or something on fan location on that's perfect for that but but in most cases yeah you just want to get in there and to me thermal analysis is a lot about assumptions and simplification and that sort yeah. of thing
2: and just reducing the computation time is, is key especially when you got to run yes. like a million iterations and because <laughs> you guys trying kind to kind of
1: explore the whole design space right yeah so you've got all these different things yeah. exactly so my, my experience with that, I learned that very early in my career when I was trying to model a uh, a valve assembly on, a, on, a, on the space station, actually. That's how long ago it was. Um, awesome. And uh, the entire section of the space station was modeled by a very experienced thermal analyst with about 35 elements. And guess what? He got the same answer I did. <laughs> so <laughs> I learned that with thermal, it's more about... Simplifying it correctly than it is about adding all that detail. So uh, I definitely learned that lesson. I had egg on my face during that design review. So <laughs> um, so what's your um, favorite feature in Icepack?
3: Uh, at least for me, we've been doing some liquid cooling models. Mm-hmm. And the fluid blocks has been a very useful tool. Good. Um, That's saved me a lot of time not having to import complex geometry mm-hmm. and just use tubes Mm -hmm. that are simplified using the blocks, and then it just simplifies that entire fluid flow. Good. Um, So that's definitely been a feature that I've liked Uh, as far as uh, a modeling component that I haven't seen the other... I have Mm -hmm. to do other tricks to try and get it to work in Flowtherm, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, They don't have, that I know of, an equivalent uh, feature that that makes
2: fluid modeling Mm -hmm. that easy.
1: Cool. How about you?
2: Um... I'd say, just from a I guess a packaging standpoint, is uh, I like the way um, importing of power maps uh, for, okay. for ICs in okay. an ice pack compared to, to Flowtherm. That's mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah. So that's pretty that's pretty important, right? That's that's how mm-hmm. the heat generation versus power in the device itself that you're going to be simplifying and modeling. Yeah. Yep. So that can be that can be a pain in the butt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. How about yourself? So I'm, st- I'm probably the most novice on the team as far as ice pack goes. I'm mm-hmm. still building my competency there. But I'd say I mean it's probably the, having the option of switching between the different measures, ah. The HD versus going to be able to go Cartesian and having mm-hmm. that flexibility to just change it if you need to right go away. Go back and forth. Yeah. Do you guys start with Cartesian or do you start with the the other one?
3: I think I just use like the default ball measure HD. HD yeah, first. Okay. I do. Yeah, so, okay. if I
1: have issues, I've switched it. Cartesian. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I yeah, it's been a long time since I've used either of those, but I do remember that I was pretty Cartesian meshes can be pretty uh amazing what they can capture uh, with a with a Cartesian mesh, it's pretty cool. So, so that's favorite. Um if and the developers do listen to this podcast, some of them do, if you could uh corner them and ask them for a new feature or to fix a feature that you're not happy with, what would that be? Oh, um
3: there's a couple of things I can think of. So, sometimes ice pack has mystery errors okay um, and especially in big models one of the things that drives me nuts is if you have some issue with priority or like mesh for example mm-hmm. uh, it'll run the mesher and then it'll start the analysis um, and it won't give you the error until all that's run ah and that wastes a good 10 or 15 minutes yeah. for a, a major model um, so just how the handling is is error handling is done mm-hmm. Um, the the check the initial check doesn't seem to catch everything right. um, and it's it's uh, uh, can be frustrating when you're you're trying to catch those things and it doesn't happen until you know you, you've actually started the the analysis when it's actually uh, fired up uh, the the solver, and then it gives you the error, mm-hmm. and then usually the, the error handling in there is pretty cryptic, it's, it's not very... Yeah, finding <laughs> the
2: details on the error codes it can be challenging.
1: That's, that's uh, sadly, our industry uh, standard is uh, the, the cryptic message that <laughs> yes. the developer totally gets, but we're going, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and sometimes it's a guess at what it is. I, on the mechanical side, my favorite is always, uh, your disk may be full. Well, that means that a write failed. But there's 101 reasons why a write to the disk may fail. <laughs> um, but it's, they just generate error message. I think they fixed that a couple of releases ago. But it used to always say, check to see if your disk is not full. Like, no, it's not full. <laughs> That's not what it was. <laughs> That's funny. How about yourself? Uh, probably the same kind of issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't think of anything that would really... It's a pretty robust yeah. tool. I mean, it, it's, it's been around for a while. So uh, there's no, it's- not...
2: I something yeah. I just thought of that yeah. uh, would be nice uh, if if they could add into ANSYS ice pack is, we talked about this, is uh, like how they do uh, spatial power maps, how you input, import uh, power over a uh-huh. spatial plane, is to do that with uh, thermal conductivity.
1: As well. Okay. Yeah. And I Good
2: thought point. you could do that, but I'm not... Yeah, if, well, if there's true. a way, I'm, I'm not sh-
1: I, I I know that you can and I know how to do it in a mechanical So it's thermal connectivity on an XYZ um so so instead of just having a, a resistivity or, or connectivity. conductivity uh, yeah cuz naturally
2: for our packages uh, the there's either a concave or convex shape of mm-hmm. the of the die and the package yeah. itself so capturing you know the thermal interface yeah. between that and the uh, you know the heatsink or whatever mm-hmm. designing uh At least on the packaging level, uh, I see substrate. Uh, Die level uh, would that would be a nice feature if that was in IcePack. If it is, it might be. I just don't know where it is. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
1: So it's not it's not obvious if Uh, it's there. Or other group in ATG somehow, so uh, it's a feature there. But uh, and they may be they may be using a vector. I'll I'll uh, I'll ask our guys if they know how to do it, or maybe ask ask the Ansys guys. I'm going to see a bunch of them next week, so uh, I'll have to ask the IcePack team that. And and it's good to bring up because even if it's there and people aren't using it. It's obviously not obvious enough. Yeah, make to it more it. Make it visible, more visible, visible there. do you have to like <laughs> you know tap your head three times and hit Control five to get it to come up? I don't know, yeah. but uh, yeah, there's there's a lot there.
3: And I guess on that note too, Bob, there's just little nuances I think with mm-hmm. IcePack. That, uh, for example, when you bring up reports mm-hmm. or um, uh, some of the the printouts for components and things like that, I think the the summary reports are good, but you have to either save them or copy and paste them and then format them in Excel to get them yep. in the, the format you need. Um, and especially if you run a lot of trials, I don't know if there's, at least I don't know how to give it one big report for everything, but if those were all condensed into a, a single report mm. and instead of having to go through each one,
2: just more efficiency things, yep. I think those things would be nice. You, you can do it after the fact, but then it runs through each trial to, 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 get, to generate so it. Yeah. yeah, it's so maybe, I don't know yeah. if you can do it select what you need mm. beforehand and it run while it's running the simulation it does it but i have that's it, to it takes one it to look at. quite a, quite mm-hmm. some time to generate that summary of all the trials
1: we'll have to we'll have to dig a little bit deeper into that because i think that that's one of the things in the new interface that they've got a chance to totally rewrite right so okay. um <clears throat> that that's that kind of reporting is especially when you guys are doing the kind of studies you're doing where you're mm-hmm. running 30 40 runs mm-hmm. You know, you can spend more time generating the report than it does to do the run sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So mm. yeah, I hear you on that one. That's a that's a good one. I, like I will
3: say that's one nice feature I I do like about X-Pike mm-hmm. is how you can run different runs with different geometries and mm-hmm. it. it'll save that particular simulation yeah. and geometry and you can go back and, and pull it back up as at least to, as opposed to flow therm proper without mm-hmm. I think you have to, and like, say you're going to save it separately once it's run. Kind yeah. Of yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really have that feature within a single mm-hmm. saved model, so that it mm-hmm. just adds a lot of overhead and more junk that you have to kind of sort through.
1: So so one question that I, that I thought of, actually, a couple weeks ago that I haven't asked before, and I don't know if if, if you guys have an answer to it, but if you didn't have simulation, this is kind of a, how do we appreciate simulation? If you didn't have numerical simulation, how do you think your company would solve the problems you guys solve? Would it be test or what?
3: Uh, I mean, we're kind of a data driven company, so it seems like ATDD does do a lot of tests. You could probably speak more to
2: that. Oh. But as, as far as from a, a business standpoint, mm-hmm. defining some of the market, uh, you know, kind of helping define the, the market. Or sell into the markets that uh, you know the marketing engineer like <laughs> they, they come up with uh, yeah I think we'd probably need to do system tests which can be very timely yeah. and expensive and
1: especially if you style. don't have the product yet right yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hand calps maybe yeah yeah <laughs> I don't. yeah I, I was kind of just thinking about that I, I met somebody who's not an engineer and they asked me well if you didn't do what you do what would the company do instead and I thought yeah for, for most of what I do as more of a structural guy, it's you know build it and bust it, which is very expensive. So, yeah, we like simulation. It's cool. No, um, our job's redundant. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, it's definitely more expensive, so I don't think we have any, I don't think a simulation, A simulation people have nothing to worry about. It's going to be more and more of it. Um, so one of the questions I do like to ask is, we do have students listen and new engineers listen, so, um, you know what? What advice would you give an engineer that's just maybe in school or just starting their career and wants to get into simulation? What's after you know ramping yourselves up and becoming good users? What what would you tell them to get them there faster?
2: Simplify. Don't uh, overengineer everything. <laughs> I mean, it saves in, in building the model and everything, and, and it really doesn't affect the end result that much. Mm-hmm. And then when you're running a, a bunch of simulations, it really reduces the computation okay. simulation time.
3: Um, well, that's a broad topic. Well, yeah.
2: Specifically in simulation, I think it's probably important
3: to... Uh, the high-speed way is um, learn from your peers, okay. especially that have been working... You know,
2: for some some time longer. Yeah, don't um, assume you know everything. Yeah,
3: that's a good point. I
1: think I was guilty of that when I got out of school. I thought, These guys don't know what the hell they're talking about, and, yeah. and I just graduated. Yeah, yeah no, they did. <laughs>
3: and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to incorporate you know every single piece of advice you get, but um, you know, at least figure out what what it is that they do differently, mm-hmm. um, and not just focus on technical details but you know it's about efficiency to some degree too so if, if you're creating big models and you know you think it's cool to incorporate a lot of the nitty-gritty portions of, mm-hmm. of ECAD and MCAD and importing all those details but it takes you you know 10 hours to run on a model um, that might not be the best approach I think streamlining those things to make your job easier and mm-hmm. make things go quicker so you have more time to work on other things is probably an important
1: consideration. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anything to add? They pretty much got it there. Yeah. I mean, definitely take you know, it's important in the beginning to take the time and realize what 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 do you really need to focus on and then not overcomplicate it when you're doing your approaching your simulation. Yeah, sometimes you kinda start running without figuring out what your path is. Yeah, that's that's definitely something. And, and it could be
2: challenging because you I mean, without any experience, you don't really know, like, how is this, how does this thing over here affect, you know,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: the
2: flow or temperature? I don't know. That's a really good point.
3: At least from my own experience, uh, just working within simulation, you get a lot more uh, a feel for how, how things should be when you do the experimental side as well okay so i would say to start you know it's it's the simulation is good i'd I'd say having a heavy maybe experimental side first, mm-hmm. and then when you start working into the the simulation side, you'll have a better grasp about you know what assumptions you should be making and what is
1: and is it reasonable and what should you be looking out for so that real world experience with the hardware hooking up thermocouples and blowing air across it and measuring stuff really. Because that's what you're doing in a virtual environment, Mm -hmm. but um, right, you you can definitely get your head more around it when you touch it with your hands. I agree with that.
3: That and always be
1: critical of your results. I'd
0: (laughs) say
3: there's a few times where I, you know, maybe I forgot to change the value on something. There's a lot of stuff you have to input, and if you do any of those things wrong, and you're not, you know, looking very critically at, at the results, and with some. Some type of you know disbelief in some regards mm-hmm. to make sure that everything is not garbage, and that's you know I, I'd say just jumping and publishing the first set of values you get is usually not advised if you <laughs> haven't done a thoroughly really check it.
1: That's very good advice <laughs> that I wish I would have had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> check those values. Uh, yeah. the garbage that's, in, garbage out yeah.
3: is very substantial, and you know I'd say not being afraid to just play with with um, you know a few you're not sure if there's something that's having an effect in your model I mean, actually validating it and running it is is a good way to check to see if you know what you think it should be right is actually
1: working out or not that's really good advice yeah i i uh do you guys do design reviews at all probably not in your, your industry as much
3: not so yeah. much
1: in aerospace of course it's it's just normal and as a young simulation person you know i'd put my color plots up there and guys that have been looking at these geometries for 30 years and in test as well as simulation go that just doesn't make sense. Like, but the answer is there. It like, doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, I didn't change a value, didn't constrain it properly, mm-hmm. you know, didn't do a unit conversion properly, but, boy, I was convinced that I was right. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we wrap it up? It's been a great conversation.
3: Oh no, not not that I can think of specifically. I guess if they're rolling out a new Ansys ice pack, I would be very curious how that's going to look and feel. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see how they're they're improving some of those things. Hopefully, they don't remove any of the existing features. They have so it's
1: the same thing under the hood. Okay. So it's a, they're just using the uh, mechanical desktop or the uh, electronics desktop. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. <laughs> so the Ansoft tool basically is the front end. Okay. <clears throat> so just a lot more capability and, and uh,
3: gotcha. functionality there. And I know one of the gripes that I've had, too, is not just with Icepack, mm-hmm. but with some other software, is, is there's usually multiple layers to try and import geometry. Yes. Um, and the meshing has is, is always been a challenge, with mm-hmm. even, especially with complex stuff. Yep. Um, I'd say that the gold standard for me is Six Sigma ET has a really simple mm-hmm. importing for geometry. Okay. You just do an STL file and it meshes it.
0: Ah. Their they're
3: built in meshing rules of thumb work pretty beautifully. Okay. So, if there's anything that they mm-hmm. can do for that, new one. take a look at that yeah, tool. They kind of have smart parts, it seems like. So, it yeah. knows it's a PCB and what those general gridding rules are. Okay. Or, okay. You know, if you just have a complex heat sink, you can just dump it in there and it, it automatically meshes it and you can see the features, you know, it, in the mesh.
1: It knows I'm a heat sink and knows how to mesh a heat sink. That's yeah. kind of how many, smart. How many yeah.
2: cells to put between fans and.
1: So I, I will. We'll, we'll. So. So we'll definitely talk to development about that. And either uh, who owns them? Do you know? Can are they on a market? t is their future facilities. Sure. Yeah. So they're available. Okay, maybe just yeah. buy them. that's sometimes it's easier to do that than develop um okay well i really appreciate i learned a little bit and uh i love talking about this stuff as you can tell and i really appreciate you guys taking out the time to drive over here on a friday afternoon uh on a finally a clear day in phoenix we had a couple days of rain which is very unusual for us (laughs) and uh so i really appreciate I hope to talk to you guys soon and uh maybe maybe after the uh the new ice pack comes out we can take a look at it and get you guys' input on it we'll see uh how that
0: looks so thanks a lot okay thanks for that um, like i said uh, we learned a lot we, we went kind of long uh, as we tend to do on this podcast but because uh, we were having such a good time so hopefully you found that useful even if you're not an ice pack user you maybe know a little bit more about the product and and it's also just a great regardless of which tool it is it's a great example of how companies that you know of products that you use every day um have answers uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say ANSYS inside. Um, how they have uh, uh, used simulation to drive the product development and make better products. So um, let's take a commercial break, learn something a little bit about other things that PADT does, sells, etc., and then we'll be back to talk about news and events.
1: Hi there. Eric Miller here to talk in a little more detail about a topic we bring up a lot in these podcasts, customizing ANSYS products to automate processes or add functionality. A significant portion of PADT's consulting work in the simulation world is working with customers to write custom software that sits on top of, or even inside, various ANSYS products. These programs can connect a legacy solver, import proprietary boundary conditions, or implement a new material model or custom fluid behavior. But most of the time, we work to write vertical applications that automate and standardize a specific customer simulation process. From chip packaging to family of parts simulation to turbine wheel geometry optimization, we can work with your team to provide productivity improvements that can make things up to 10 times faster than the current process. To learn more, contact us at info at or call 480 813 4884 and ask about ANSYS customization and automation. A little bit of programming can create an order of magnitude change in productivity.
0: So, like I said, I'm actually in Orlando, Florida at the sales kickoff. Uh, Every year, uh, the worldwide sales team, the ANSYS executives, uh, that includes salespeople as well, channel partners like PADT, um, a lot of the support team that works closely with sales on pre-sales as well as technical support for existing customers, product management folks, uh, a few developers here and there and uh, partners in the ecosystem of companies that make software and hardware that help support the against this world we all get together someplace um the last two years it's been here in orlando and it's a it's not only just a great networking event where you know everybody's in in one place so we can all talk and catch up but um it's also an education event and and an enthusiasm building event right we're, we're trying to uh uh, talk about how 2018 went, and be excited about growing the ANSYS ecosystem in 2019. Um, I can't share a lot of what I learned because it's confidential, uh, but I, I can share some general impressions. And my biggest general impression, um, and this this is always true, but maybe more so this year, I think a lot of people besides me commented on it that have been around for a while, is uh, what it it is close to a thousand folks here. Uh, maybe a little bit over a thousand. Um, the biggest impression is the enthusiasm and intelligence of the people in the greater ANSYS family, you know, all the way from Ajay, the CEO, who's just a brilliant guy, um, down to um, the poor intern that was slugging uh, projectors around, getting things hooked up for presentations. <clears throat> Everybody's just very smart and very enthusiastic about what we're doing here. Um, I think the other impression I got was how much people, especially on the sales team, like what they do. And um, if you've ever been to these kind of events, you, there may be a little bit of drinking, maybe not necessarily. Um, and sometimes some people get to that uh, end of the evening when the bar is about to close. They're like, "I love you, man!" And there's hugging and and discussions about how important we are in each other's lives, even though we just met. Um, <clears throat> what happens here? It happens <laughs> this time. Is it turns into the, instead of that into admissions. <clears throat> that they love their customers, Um, and they're so happy to be selling stuff. Many people have worked in other software companies or maybe selling hardware, maybe even other industries outside of engineering equipment and and software. And they're just so happy to sell something that works and that makes their customers so successful. Um, There's a lot of those admissions of, you know, wow, it sure is nice to be doing something um, where you can work with Really cool customers, and they're thankful. You know, that you're not you're not forcing them to buy something they don't really want. You're helping them maximize their investment, in and it's cool. That really works, and uh, and I, I feel that way all the time too. I I always every time I, I'm in front of a customer and see how they like like the folks we were talking with at uh, Intel in the interview. It's just it's so nice to work on something that works. Um, so that, that that was kind of the other theme that was kind of running through everything um you know our product family has grown so much uh over the years and so diverse sometimes we we uh it's become a forest there's not just one tree anymore and we we forget what we're doing and these events kind of help us bring it home um I can talk a little bit about you know what's going to be new in two thousand nineteen uh we'll talk in more detail about this these things and many other things as we go over what's in the latest releases as they come out um my big takeaways from a technical standpoint, um, the ANSYS Fluid GUI and workflow have been changed, um, updated, modernized, whatever words you want to use. But um, I think in the past, people may have considered Fluent kind of a cumbersome uh, way of building and, and uh, post-processing uh, CFD models. But that's no longer true. Uh, it's a really cool, uh, they really put a lot of bot into it, really got a lot of user input. Um, The other thing in the CFD world that I'm also just excited about, and we've mentioned this before, is the new mosaic mesher, uh, which is fast, great looking meshes, um, hex core, poly, boundary layers. It it does everything. Uh, It does it on dirty geometry, and we're going to talk a lot more about the mosaic mesher. In fact, uh, some of the people from the product team have asked to come on the podcast to talk about it. Uh, Mechanical side. There's been a lot of just general improvements across the board. Uh, the ones that I'm kind of uh, focused on that I think are going to deliver the most benefit is improvements in contact, especially the fact that we can do we can we can do uh, parallel processing across multiple nodes now uh, with contact. So it, it divides up the contact surface as well as uh, all the chunks of, of solid mesh. Um, so we're getting great performance on large contact problems. Um, and then the explicit implicit, capabilities that are being added, and I'm not going to talk too much about it because to be honest, um, I've only seen one example of it, but those in the tech support groups that have played with it here at Ansys, um, they say it's pretty cool. So um, we'll talk more about that and explain more about what it is as as I got my head around it. Uh, We have a new product called Ansys Motion. So it is a third-party solver for rigid and flexible dynamics. Um, So this is a motion simulation tool, you know, kinematics and dynamics, uh, large mechanisms, basically. But it's got really nice flexible solvers as well as rigid body solvers. So some of the examples of gears and uh, belt drives, uh, springs, really, really cool stuff. Uh, You know, not, not always a strong point in the ANSYS family in the past, so by uh, creating an interface to this third-party product that we'll be now reselling, this is kind of like how we sell LS Dyna. Um, as a, we have a, a pre and post processing capability for LS Dyna, but the solver is made by LSTC. Uh, this tool is the same thing. Um, we'll have more details on that as we learn more. This is the first we've heard of it. They've been working on the interface before they announced it. Um, I'm not even sure it's officially announced yet. but. Um, <clears throat> we will we'll talk more about that, my, you know, my background, um, a lot of people don't know this. My degree is actually in mechanisms design, and I, I love doing things that whiz and click. So I'm very excited about having a full capability motion product uh, in the ANSYS family. On the electronics side, um, maybe I'm biased. <laughs> so the thing I paid attention to was the inclusion of thermal and uh, mechanical type capabilities in the electronics desktop. So those are the people that are working on chips, chip packaging, boards, uh, enclosures uh, don't need to leave that environment. They'll be able to run uh, ice pack it keeps migrating over there, as we talked about in the interview. Um, there's uh, also some mechanical capabilities that are moving under that, so that you know if you're working on that kind of geometry, you don't have to go over to mechanical to do the mechanical stuff. So more and more of that as things come out. <clears throat> we also got a great presentation from Judd Kaiser. Here at Ansys Inc. About the Ansys Cloud, so that there's now an integrated solution at 19 that allows you to basically, if you if you own uh, uh, time on their cloud, you buy some time on their cloud. Uh, with a push of the button, you can solve on the cloud. So if you're running out of time, need to run a bunch of parallel jobs, um, you can go ahead and do that. We'll of course talk more about that as time goes by. But you know we're making cloud capability just easier and easier as time goes by. There's a lot more um, that we'll cover in future episodes. <clears throat> we, I did many people asked if they could come on and talk about their product, so we'll try and schedule that. We may we do some shorter episodes where we just don't uh, do this front and back stuff and just have some interviews. Uh, one other thing that that I want to talk about before we move on to news is there's some technology uh, trends out there that are kind of driving where where technology, simulation technology is going, uh, what's what's driving the demand for new capabilities and features. Um, the first is this transition from LTE cell tower type communication to what's called 5G. So this is going to be a much faster, higher bandwidth way of uh, not just our cell phones, but all these devices that connect to networks uh, will be able to communicate. And so there's a lot of work that needs to go into those. It's more power, fancier antennas. I'll be honest with you, I don't understand a lot of the stuff they talk about when they talk about this 5G stuff. But the ANSYS product family is, is really oriented towards making sure that people who are making equipment to support this transition to 5G uh, can simulate and get to market faster using simulation uh, and build better products using simulation. So we, we talked a lot about that. Second was autonomous vehicles. Um, You know, not just the Optus tool set, but there's a lot of other things that the whole ANSYS family gets involved in for building the sensors and the systems around autonomous vehicles, Um, and uh, electrification is the other thing that we're seeing um, across aerospace and automotive is moving from internal combustion uh, to electrical uh, systems, full electrical systems, uh, and mostly battery-powered so, and everything that's involved in that. So a lot of battery simulation. If you, if you don't remember, we talked in an earlier podcast about that Pikes Peak Challenge where that VW electric car, Volkswagen electric car, just shattered the record for climbing Pikes Peak. Um, and that's just a great example uh, that we could talk about because it was a marketing thing for Volkswagen. Um, and ANSA stickers are on the front of the car for a reason. They, they wouldn't have been able to make that challenge without using simulation um, especially on the power management side of things. The batteries would have overheated and not delivered enough power. So all sorts of things uh, along those uh, that are that are impacting the simulation tool set as far as how the tools are being used. So look for that in the future. <clears throat> Let's move on to news. ANSYS stock, uh, like I said, it's uh, January 22nd. Uh, in the morning before the market opened up, it was at 161.71. Uh, it bottomed out somewhere a couple weeks ago at 130s, low mid 130s, but it's headed back up right now. Um, one thing I did that I hadn't done before is I went over to the Yahoo Finance and plotted the S&P 500 uh, over the past 12 months, along with the ANSA stock over the last 12 months. And guess what? Uh, when when the stock market crashed, the ANSA stock crashed. It seems to be uh, tracking quite well, and um, It's uh, outperforming over the last 12 months the S&P 500. So what more could you ask for when general economic situations are as they are? ANSYS will be doing their earnings report supposedly on February 20th. So that's where we'll learn uh, how they did in 2019. After three strong quarters, uh, uh, 2018, I'm sorry. The earnings report is the first one of 2019, but it's going to cover the full year of 2018. And we'll see how they did after three strong quarters, uh, the first part of the year, and uh, how they did in the last quarter. So I have no idea. Uh, I'll be waiting with you guys to see how it went. Um, We also got to uh, hear about a, a new acquisition that happened while we were there. At the conference, the 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 new the new uh, company that's joined the Ansys family was actually there negotiating, uh, so that they could announce it and then meet everybody on the sales team. It's a company called Helic, um, as the name sounds. Uh, It's it's from Greece, Helena, and they they've entered into the official wording is they've entered into a definitive agreement to acquire Helic, the industry leading provider of electromagnetic crosstalk solutions for systems on a chip. So, again, this is in the electronics area, very specific to these very high-density... You know, we used to put uh, printed circuit boards with a bunch of stuff on it, and we started putting stuff in in, um, uh, chips. Now we're putting everything in a single chip, so entire systems on a single chip. As you can imagine, there's a lot of power going through a very small nanometer-type geometry, and so the electromagnetic waves cause a lot of crosstalk. Um, Helic is the... uh, the leading tool out there, a le- uh, leading provider of of a tool to model that crosstalk, so those electrical engineers and mechanical engineers that support them can make good chips, systems on a chip. So we're very excited about that addition, um, is filling out that portfolio and helping people on the electronic side. <clears throat> it, it's you know the the growth in IoT is really driving it. Um, not only is it really helping our semiconductor capabilities in the Ansys world. But uh, it's also our first Greek company to join the ANSYS family. So, uh, uh, you know, ANSYS is truly a global company, and their design center in Athens will remain there. So, they'll now be an ANSYS Athens, which is pretty cool. Um, other news in the ANSYS world is that they announced their 2019 Hall of Fame competition winners. Uh, I definitely recommend you go to the ANSYS website or Google ANSYS 2019 Hall of Fame. Uh, the, uh, the top three commercial winners was a bus bar simulation, a multiphysics simulation of a high-voltage application from a place called Lucy Electronics. And then a company called Panduit also was looking at high-voltage. You know, it's multiphysics uh, capability where they're just dumping a lot of electrons through some sort of metal and heating it up and seeing how it distorts and minimizing all that um, using both electronic simulation as well, electrical simulation as well as mechanical and thermal is pretty cool stuff. Uh, Then the third winner was a company called Stress Field Oy, O-Y, and they simulated uh, a supercritical carbon dioxide condensation um, that was going on in a very power hungry and centrifugal compressor that they were using. So they're they're, they're basically uh, pumping carbon dioxide and it's condensing when it gets supercritical and that makes it really efficient. Um, so, they, they used uh, the ANSYS toolset, I believe it was CFX, to optimize that uh, impeller, that centrifugal pump, and um, that allowed them to basically make a more efficient device, use less energy. It a, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, was listed as a considerable decrease in the annual use of primary energy source for this device. So, um, it's kind of a, a, a cost savings and an environmental savings for that. Um, in the startup category, a company called Mecurus in Germany that does prosthetic feet simulation. Uh, they used ANSYS to not only help them design their product better, but to meet their regulatory targets. So that was a good one. Uh, three universities won. Uh, we've talked about this one before, the Eindhoven University of Technology modeled uh, kind of the pack of cyclists that you see when you watch maybe the Tour de France on TV. They put 121 cyclists into a CV, C, CFD run. That's a pretty cool model. I definitely recommend you check it out, if you're a cyclist especially. Uh, Linkoping University modeled uh, flow in coronary artery, part of the heart, and the mechanical heart valve between the artery and the heart and that's a really cool multiphysics simulation. Check that out. And then Oklahoma State University, uh, also in the medical space, this is a digital twin, they created a uh, model, a flex and elastic lung model based upon a CT scan of a real patient's lung so they could look at how uh, drugs introduced through an aerosol sprayed into the, into the lungs uh, fill out the lung and actually treat cancer in the lung. So, you know, use, use in the medical space of digital twins to understand the behavior and optimize the design of the products. Some pretty cool stuff. Check it out. Uh, think about what you're working on. Maybe submit for the 2020 Hall of Fame. Uh, it's always good to see how people use the tools. And that's coming up uh at PADT, we've got uh Photonics Day at the end of February the 31st of excuse me end of January 30, 31st of January through uh February 1st I'll be down in Tucson Arizona which is the mecca for all things optics and this is their big annual event where people from around the world come visit us in the desert to look at saguaro uh, eat tacos and actually we, we eat uh, burritos down in Tucson um and talk about things to do with light and how to make it and how to transform it and how to utilize it. Um, I'll be presenting actually on 3D printing um, for uh, optics. But uh, do, do, do check us out. If you're, if you're in the optics world and coming to Photonics Day down in Tucson, please stop by. Uh, we'll also be uh, February 5th through the 7th. I'll be at the Pacific Design Show giving a presentation, um, as well as we have a booth there. We'll be helping to represent ANSYS, Uh, and we'll be in that booth um, over in, I think, the medical section of the floor. So do stop by if you're in Southern California and you're at the Pacific Design Show in the MD&M West. Uh, We have our Tucson during that same period, uh, February 6th. We're doing our Tucson ANSYS User Conference, so we have quite a few users down there, and uh, we're all getting together to talk about uh, mostly doing user presentations. Some of our engineers will present as well. So uh, it's really kind of like the event we did in Phoenix a month or two ago, uh, but down in Tucson for our, for our users down there. Upcoming webinars on the 13th, we've got one where we're going to talk about the Fluid, what's new in Fluid at 2019 R1. Highly recommended. Um, even if you're not a CFD user, you should know uh, what's influent, and maybe you should be a CFD user. It's pretty easy to use now. It's it's nice. Um, 27th through 28th is a startup event that I will be at called Venture Madness in Phoenix, so if you're attending that, stop by and say hello. I should be judging as well as uh, mentoring some companies at that. Um, Then we've got our mechanical update webinar. Uh, I'm going through March, just so everybody knows, so... uh, we got a lot to talk about in mechanical, uh, so we'll, we'll pack it into an hour. That's going to be on March 13th. March 20th, we'll be at the Hill Air Force Base Technology Expo up in Utah. So uh, if you're going to that, that event, stop by our booth and say hi. On the 21st, it's very special. Um, if you, we have your email address, you've probably got an email about this, but it's our 25th anniversary celebration. Uh, we've mentioned before, PADTs turning turned 25 in 2019, and uh, we're having a big party on the 21st. So if you're anywhere near Tempe, Arizona, uh, on the 21st, you're invited, even if you didn't get an official invite, uh, go to our website and you, you can find a way to register so we know how, many, how much uh, barbecue to order. It's just going to be a big party. It's not so much a marketing event as a gathering to thank everybody for our 25 years of success. And then finishing out the month, uh, the AZ Tech Council MedTech Conference is going to be on the 28th. And uh, we're not quite sure what the uh, speaking opportunity is going to be, but we are going to be speaking at that event, and we'll have a booth as well. So that finishes up uh, this podcast. Um, I do want to mention in the last podcast, I said I was going on my first cruise. I survived, uh, obviously. I made it back, even though I, I was in Miami for that, and I had to come back a week later to go to Orlando um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, as I mentioned, it was a Star Trek cruise. so it was like a convention and a cruise all in one. It was my first for both. Um, it was really cool what a what a great, nice group of people, and I get why people go on these uh, themed cruises because everybody around you shares the same passion. and I don't I'm a Star trek fan. these people are really Star Trek fans, I was an amateur compared to them, but it's nice to be standing in a line with a bunch of strangers, and you can all talk about something, um, because you all share a passion for the same thing, so I had a lot of fun, um, I didn't connect with any Ansys users, met a couple of engineers, but none more Ansys users, um, so we didn't record any podcasts on that trip, but uh, maybe next time, um. Continue to wish everybody a fantastic 2019. As we're still in January, we can still say Happy New Year. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to ANSYS emails at www.p-a-t-inc.com/opt-in, O-P-T-I-N. And Don't hesitate to reach out. Um, send us an email if you want to know at uh, podcast at p-a-t-i-n-c.com. And uh, everyone, have a great week. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode number 29. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only, and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time!